0: So you do know some donkeys that wear perfume, that's worrying, Bryson. There you go, and that is a great point to start. Hello, Skigglers. Hey, guys. We sit down down again tonight with James Drew of Bike the World. How's it going tonight? All good,
1: thank you very much. All good. And you, Bryson, how's it going tonight? Right on, Pascal. Excited to be back with uh, James and yourself. Well, I guess first we have to ask,
0: how does it feel to be the... Well, going to be soon to be five times champion of the Skits and Giggles podcast. How does that feel? Wow, yeah, it's awesome!
2: I love, I love the I love the fact that you guys value my opinion so much. <laughs> that's it's all good. That's great. I love coming back and you know telling everyone my my opinions and my
0: views. Very good. Well, I would like to start tonight off with a, a bit of positivity. So, I guess can you tell us? Um, What gets you excited about working in the bike industry going into 2023? Going into 2023? Well, I've started a a
2: few new projects. Um, We're going to open a test center with Paiga here locally. Uh, We're also looking at getting complete bikes, um, offering a really, really quite a sexy build um, for a good price. Uh, I am working on another project, but I'm going to have to keep that one quite close to my chest until the uh, the next time we speak. I'm afraid. Um, but uh, let's put, let's put it this way: we're we're looking at starting to produce certain things a bit closer to home.
0: Okay, so you are positive, so that's good. Um, <laughs> also, I hope coming strong out of twenty two. How did uh, how did that go for you? <laughs> 22 was crap,
2: <laughs> to be honest. No, that's not true. The first half of the year was uh, really phenomenal. Uh, I think uh, everyone was still riding the corona wave. And then, of course, we have other issues in the world. We, we do live in interesting times, I must say. Energy prices, wars and whatnot. And I, I must say I noticed for the last half of the year uh, the consumer is very weary about spending money. So, uh, yeah, the last half of 22 has, has been quite difficult. And I've seen that over. I've spoken to a lot of people and it's it hasn't been easy. And, of course, with all the delays during Corona and a huge rush to buy bike products, not only toilet paper, but bike products as well, Uh, I think we saw a lot of delays, a lot of things arriving late and then arriving at a time where everyone kind of got a bit freaked out and stopped spending. So, uh, it's been challenging. However, I'm happy to say 23 has started absolutely incredibly. So I think people are getting over it and, um, Uh, starting to uh, normalize and and starting to, you know, get back into their, you know,
0: how should I say, usual buying habits. Okay, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the human condition. We like to be optimistic and looking forward in general. I'm not saying uh, all the times, but... um, uh, what are your your kind of markers that you're tracking apart from the obvious, right? So the extreme volumes of sales that are going through your business, but uh, what uh, what are the kind of markers that you look at to to kind of judge uh, the health of the of the industry and how things are going at the moment?
2: I would say, I mean, uh, for me it's different. I'm quite small, so I can move quite quickly, um, and I suppose my risk is also not as big as some other, shall we say, larger distributors or even shops that stock a lot more. Um, So for me, it's quite easy to adapt and change quickly. Um, One thing I am noticing um, is um, a lot of people are quite overstocked on bikes at the moment. That probably puts me in a good position because I don't sell complete bikes, I sell components. So people are always going to want to upgrade, and they want to custom. And I also think the high end market is always going to work pretty well. I think if if you sell really expensive stuff, uh, really good quality stuff, I think it's. I don't think you're going to see huge amounts of drops in there. I think people are going to continue to 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 buy those kind of things. Um, I should imagine in the lower segment, it's, it's a bit more difficult. And one thing I have seen is there is an oversaturation in bikes at the moment. I've spoken to a lot of people who say, yeah, we've just got loads, loads in stock. So I have heard some brands have just rebranded some stuff and sold it as a 23 model instead of a 22.
0: Well, that's something you hear from uh, from quite a few players. Not only from you know, not only from the brands. If you talk to a couple of the shops, other people around the industry, it's kind of like as you as you mentioned before, right? It's kind of that that catch up effect of uh, you know boom time order books meeting a massive slowdown, uh, you know, in twenty two, and now all of a sudden they get delivered and hang on, no one actually wants to buy these bikes anymore and. Um, And and depending on on what those bikes are, there is, of course, uh, there's a bit of an overhang now or saturation, as you as you call it. Well, I can tell you, I've seen it before. The bike industry
2: works like a wave. At some point, we don't have any stock and everyone's clamoring to buy stuff and it's expensive. And then we all order as much as we possibly can. And the next year we've got far too much and no one wants to buy anything so we have to sell it off cheap so uh this is i don't think corona helped but this is a trend i have seen quite
0: often before and i've been in the industry for a while but uh well from that there is obviously many many ways we can branch out of course we also reached out to uh, our listeners and i think one of the, the key themes, if I summarize it pretty simply, is are prices ever going to come down again? And, uh, and you just said, well, it's going in waves and people order too much and then there's too many. And so in, in principle, simple economics, prices should come down eventually. However, dot, 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 and that's your cue.
2: Regarding that question, uh, prices of what exactly? Is what I would like to know. If we're talking complete bikes, um, I think, yeah, prices, well, prices haven't gone up. I think spec has just got worse. So the same bike just doesn't have the same spec on it as it should do. So I should think at some point spec will catch up. For example, um, I know now that lead times at SRAM are back to 90 days again, uh, not two years or or whatever it was before. So I think we'll see, I don't think we'll see prices change. I think we'll just see complete bikes with, with the specs they used to have, for example, which yeah, ultimately the prices will come down. If we talk about price uh, due to saturation at the moment, I think a lot of people are going to find there's a lot of cheap bikes out there, um, this, this spring. So if you want a new bike, um, I mean, yeah, I guess now's, now's the, time, the time to buy one. Um, I, I do think at the moment it's more extreme. I mean, I spoke about the wave before. Um, and yeah, we've had that. But at the moment, it's very extreme. And I think everyone in the industry needs to maybe take a step back and learn something from that. Um, and I, I do also think it has a lot to do with production because if you, for example, you produce in the far East, um, you have to order all your stuff, you get one, one opportunity a year and, and then you have all your stock. So for example, bringing, bringing production home, um, is, would be a way to, to tackle that so instead of producing everything all at once we could just keep producing stuff um, and just make the um how should i say deliverability just just better maybe we have to wait two weeks but you know if something goes out of stock we don't need to wait a year for it to come back in stock so i mean we do well the bicycle bicycle industry as a whole is is maybe not only high-end but I think what we're involved in is high end, and I think that's something that really needs to um yeah we need to take a step back and look and say how how can we just improve so so we have so it runs smoothly so we can always produce we can always deliver and and we can have have our customers happy
0: well I think that's uh, one of the, the the key learnings i think for for people on both sides right, so consumers as well as businesses right it's kind of the if anything, the last uh two two years or so they have shown quite clearly what the shortcomings are from, from sometimes uh you know, overseas production um and long kind of this, this contract manufacturing overseas, right? Where you kind of you put in your big order and then hopefully get it delivered in two years and then hopefully you can sell it in three years and mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, right? So um and there's of course an inherent risk to um a production method like that or like a business model like that and i think people have come to appreciate quite a bit um yeah more local more just in time kind of production and supporting local businesses and um and, and all that sort of stuff maybe also just because it was available right people were able avail, able to to produce um and and get the stuff that they, they needed
2: well, it, I mean, it also depends on tech, technology. I Man, Taiwan has been well known for making this, you know, bike parts, and they've been able to make things like this. Um, and uh, I mean, I can tell you now. So, I mean, we make a lot of, I mean, there's the CNC machines all over Europe, um, but I can tell you already, there's things that we manufacture or CNC in Europe are horrendously more complex.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, Pascal. What was that sound?
0: <laughs> I started using that sound whenever we wanted to say something about our social or where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on our Instagram, where you can skid right into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, Just give us a follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Finally, sharing episodes you enjoy on your socials, or a heartfelt 5-star rating on your favorite platform, goes a long way in helping us reach more cool people like you. Right on, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show
2: than the things they make in Taiwan and often custom or, or um, uh, should we say one-off um, pieces of equipment um, that we make over here. And so, so there's never been a culture. So if you approach anyone here, they'll be like, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but then, you know, there's, there's, you know, no one's ever tried to scale this up or thought, that's not true. Phil from Pembury is doing very well at this, <laughs> um, but you know, that, and that's where I think we need to bring it back because we can actually do this here, uh, and and I think For we sure. can we can make it more sustainable, and we can probably offer the end consumer um, um, a bit more of a, um, and first of all, a more interesting product because we can change it very quickly if we need to and and secondary uh, second secondarily just improve um deliverability that would that would be the best it would be nice if things ran smoothly i mean of course it, you don't sell as much at every different time of the year biking is seasonal um but we all know when we sell a lot and when and when we don't but um you know we we can learn to just improve you know deliverability when we can say okay we need to ramp up production when it's quiet so we have enough when it's not quiet um you know these these are things to think about and i think these are things that um that i'm lucky most of my brands do produce at home um but um uh yeah i think it's something that overall i think it's going to increase i think i hope so anyway
0: also one final point on what you said about uh, you know it's a great time to buy a bike right so that does that does not include only new bikes but it also you know a secondary effect of uh, you know the the covid boom of of bicycling and uh, and then now after 2 years of having that bike figuring out that oh my god this is actually really hard if you want to do it And I guess we're going to come back later to that (laughs) to that uh, observation that a lot of uh, bikes are available on the second-hand market, uh, where where also can some some great deals can be made. And um, so yeah, so it's worth worth looking into the buy and sell and uh, from the different platforms or any of the closeout sections of bike shops.
2: Yeah, I also think this year is going to be difficult to sell a second-hand bike. 'Cause I think there's gonna be some good deals out there. I might be wrong. Um you never know, but I have looked around and I have seen and I mean people started offering um deals already last November. Um and you can you, you can see how the trend's going. So I don't know. Um people might just say, Hey, you know what, the season's starting, let's put the prices back up to normal, which would be the best for the industry, but I can't see that happening, but you never know. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I spoke to a guy today who was wanting to sell his his uh, his used bike. I said, if I was you, I'd get on with that because I think there's going to be a lot of secondhand stuff available pretty soon. As soon as the snow melts and the you know the the evenings get longer, I think there's going to be a lot of them out there. So uh, yeah, maybe get on with that quickly. <laughs>
1: this might finally signal the tide for bike prices coming to a reasonable level. Like you hear it time and time again, that bike is just too expensive. And, you know, this is coming from a, a lot of different people um, across the, the biking scene, you know, from the beginner all the way to the more experienced people. They're just like, bikes are really expensive now. But maybe, maybe now that there's a complete saturation, just across the board, that everything's going to come down and it's going to stay down.
2: I don't think that's going to change. I mean, at the at the end of the day, I mean, if you if you have a a frame and you kit it out, let's say you go full Shram Rock Shocks, um, I mean, if you want to make some money, and everyone in between wants to make some money, um, it's gonna be hard to bring those prices down. I can tell you that because I I know the prices from start all the way till till the end and i mean if we really want to bring prices down we you have to cut out the middleman um so yeah that's let's shall we say go direct some companies do that however if you're buying a high end product like this which has a lot of moving parts and a lot of functionality you need to provide a good service and if you have you know one warehouse in europe and you supply the whole europe with shall we say, a 5,000-franc bike uh, with, you know, specked out to the brim <laughs> um, and something goes wrong, and this guy's sitting in, in the north of Scotland, how are you going to help him? Uh, and At the end of the day, he, he, let's say we, we bring prices from, let's say it's a 5,000-franc bike and we bring it down to 3,500, that's still a lot of money, 3,500. It's not 500 bucks. So how are we going to help him? So I have to say, I disagree with bringing prices down. I think we should bring spec up back to how it was. But I think we also have to realize it's, it's an expensive piece of kit. And you need to have it serviced and you need to have a service behind it. You need to have someone who stands behind there and you know, when things go wrong, you, you get help and they get you up and riding again. Doesn't always work. (laughs) Um, you know, sometimes things go wrong, but at least if you have a person on the end who can help, you know, maybe they can help you a different way. I don't know if your wheel sets bust, maybe they can say, Hey, look, I'll get you a different wheel set. Won't be the same, but, but at least you get riding again. But um as price goes, I, I can't see bikes becoming a lot cheaper unless someone completely monopolizes the market.
1: Yeah, we've seen the the examples time again. of going direct is cutting the cutting the prices. So yeah, you do have a point there. Um back to your you know, your 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 experiences in the industry it being so long and you understanding and seeing these, these tides come and go um, from your end. Did you take any or um, well, what kind of things did you do to take advantage of, of the way these things are uh, being, being so volatile, let's say like. Um, I have I have to be,
2: to be honest. I mean, when, when, when sales really start to drop and and you get into the situation you're in, Um, there's not much you can do. Uh, Yeah, you can slash your prices like crazy and try and sell everything off as cheap as possible. I'm against doing that because I have to put my prices back up again at some point and everyone's going to moan and say, yeah, okay, but it cost this last year. Why is it expensive again? So I'm not keen to do that. So, I mean, the only real way you can do anything is to try and generate sales, generate leads. And, yeah, selling and marketing is 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 the strategy you need to take at that point.
1: Okay, and how's it coming with the social media side? <laughs> <laughs> as as it's just me working here, it's difficult.
2: <laughs> I I struggle to find the time. <laughs> if anyone uh, out there wants to help me, uh, I'll give you some handlebars and stuff. Uh, just get in touch. <laughs>
1: yeah one of the um, i think one of the the key, the key takeaways I got from last year was that uh being being present on the on the media is a real a real driving factor mm-hmm. or was a real driving factor for you guys
2: yeah 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 it is uh um, marketing's extremely important i mean we had one question uh here which I thought was a fantastic question uh, let me just find it uh, here we go why why is there so much marketing bullshit It um, is is uh, referring to uh why, why why are we always changing standards like hub standards wheel sizes and this and this or that or why is um uh there so much superficiality surrounding biking and people and um, at the end of the day why is it so cool and why do we need to <laughs> show everyone how cool it is uh, at the end of the day it's just sale and right? it's pure sales that's why we do it it's to generate sales And uh, yeah it is superficial and um, it may be annoying to some but at the end of the day this is a business we have to sell uh, we have to get the word out, and and you know we live in a capitalist world. I can't just sit here with a room full of handlebars and hope someone notices me when they walk past. You know, so
0: that is why we uh, <laughs> why we do marketing. All right, okay. I, I want to add two points to that, um, just uh, as a to to. to 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 get that out. One is obviously people love being lied to. That's why marketing works. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanna hear the story and they wanna, you know, be promised whatever. I buy this beautiful golden handlebar and I'll ride off into the sunset to my happiness.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: can see this golden handlebar in the background. It's beautiful. You can buy it on, on James's website, bike the <laughs> But the other thing, and that ties back to sustainability, right? So I think generally, and that is not only the bike industry, it's a general observation that we need to find a better balance between what you mentioned as service and 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 price, right? So kind of the, the model, the model that some of the direct to consumer brands are pursuing is obviously a, a volume game. And at some point, if there is an issue, it's cheaper to just destroy the bike Mm-hmm. And send you a new one than to actually entertain service hubs that then fix your bike and you're back on your way and happily riding for another year or another two years, another three years, another five years. Right. So on the one so somehow we need to find a balance between um you know selling new product and having actual improvements and you know doing the marketing, but on the other hand, you also if you if you're serious about the sustainability, because at the end of the day, you know, selling new product is not sustainable. It's just because a new tree is being planted for every product that's sold. You're still buying a new product and the product you have is the sustainable one. You're still making stuff (laughs) from resources
2: that are limited. Exactly. (laughs) So
0: somewhere there needs to be a balance, right? So that's that's the two points I wanted to make to this.
2: That's true. Well, the first point is quite interesting. Uh, you know, service of, if we speak about service of, I mean, to be honest, the infrastructure is there. There's bike shops everywhere in the damn world. Um, and I, I, I always say this, and I like to work with bike shops. And, uh, I mean, I also do sell online, like everyone else now, and, we have the customer that only sells or buys stuff online and never goes to a bike shop. Um, and but I I always keep saying go into a bike shop. You meet people. You find riding buddies. Um, bike shops offer um, mechanical courses now. You know um, um, there's there's a lot you get from actually going to a bike shop and being part of that community. There's a huge amount. And 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 if that goes away, then the the whole industry will go away. Um, so um, I, I always say to people, you know, if you can just go to a bike shop. I mean, don't buy your whole bike online and walk in and say, hey, can you build it for me? I mean, they will <laughs> It'll cost money. There's um, a price for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I mean, you might always find, and it's not necessarily going to be cheaper online either. It's just more convenient to sit on your sofa and order stuff. Um, but it's at, at some point, you know, uh, having being part of a community or, or being in that community and having fun and, and riding with people and, and, and that's gonna help push you further as a rider. Um, you're gonna hey you're gonna have way more fun and, and it's it's just gonna be for better for you in in the long run. And and I do have a feeling, I think a lot of people who first start out probably are very internet focused, but I should think at some point if they wanna get a really serious bike, really high end custom built bike, then you have to go to a dealer. Or you really have to know what you're doing. Say you're a mechanic, which means you work for a dealer at one point. So that answers that question already. Um, but I I, sh- I think at some point people, if they, let's say they get their first bike, it's an internet brand, they ride it, they start to meet people. I'm pretty sure their second bike isn't necessarily going to just be bought online. I think at some point they're going to end up at a dealer and they're going to get into that community and and uh I think that has to thrive especially at the moment.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think uh, the the challenge uh for the next uh, you know 3 to 5 years and the opportunity is of course for bike shop in particular to to marry up those two worlds right of uh providing the service and and somehow living online whichever way that means. And I think that's also, yeah, it's an exciting, well, we an exciting to, topic.
2: We have to live online. I mean, um, uh, we're gonna do it with Pyga now. So, well, this is my plan. Um, is um, if you want a complete bike, then you order it from a dealer. You head to the dealer. You get it custom built. Even if we have build kits available. I want it to go through a dealer and there's always going to be someone who just wants to frame and build it themselves and fine, then just buy a frame and build it yourself. There's always going to be those who aren't going to want to go to a bike shop and that's fine. We have to cater for them as well. But my goal is to really get people into the shops and, and, you know, really get that, that experience that isn't just owning a cool bike. It's the whole community. It's the, you know the high fives and and the beer afterwards and and the lifestyle, should we say?
0: I guess you know to to spin it back to something a little bit more positive. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of trends do you see from from riders in particular going uh, going into this year? Oh, so the kind of changes. What's kind of hot? What's not so? They're all gonna get younger and much better than me. Yeah, well, that was a that was a steady process already. the the, the process of decay and being out of shape has uh, long started.
2: What makes you think I'm out of shape?
0: Sure, <laughs> I'm actually actually I'm not in bad shape.
2: Oh, there you go. I'm I mean, keeping go myself for a ride again. or other people keep me fit. <laughs> I have obligations which keep personal me fit. trainer. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Um, um, do you know what I see happening? Um, I, I see it now in snowboarding. Snowboarding's changed quite a lot. You know, it was all about the big airs and, and, and you know, the amount of rotations and flips or whatever. And, and now they, I mean, they do crazy stuff. I mean, like centimeters from the ground. And, and I've seen this, this. I think the last year or two, that's really sort of starting to happen. It's fantastic, you know. And I can imagine seeing more of that kind of stuff in mountain biking as well. Actually, just this neat, fun, kind of down to earth, literally down to earth kind of kind of riding, and it'd be, it'd be fantastic because it just it just looks amazing. You know, we don't always have to. Um, um, you know, fly as far as humanly
0: possible we can we can look good, you know being closer to the ground, big fat skid mm. I
1: just you know, I knew it all along <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> couldn't agree more. there's pump tracks pump, uh, popping out everywhere. it gives you the skills to build all that, and then basically you can use those skills. To basically, it's like jibbing, right? You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's exactly ground, what it's called. Jibbing. Yeah. Small, like <laughs> micro moves, basically off of every little bump. You know, just doing a little wheel flick or pedal rotation. yeah you can learn all that in a skate park or a pump track. It's
2: yeah.
1: I'd also. It's going to come. I'd also like the to see more hardtails.
2: We need more hardtail. We need more people riding hardtails, not just us. You're
1: three. right. <laughs> start the Renaissance <laughs> yeah back on the sustainable producers uh, topic so um, how have you uh, what kind of like uh, trends or uh, response have you got from from the people you deal with do they like that you carry and promote sustainable producers uh,
2: yes um, I mean maybe if maybe if we can just talk about shall we say one issue. Last year has, I mean, with a lot of people, it's just been cash flow. So, I mean, if you have too much stock, you have less cash flow. And um, that hasn't made things like this easier. So, of course, people, I mean, people are frantic and trying to get hold of what they can. So, I would say for the last half of 22, That kind of philosophy has probably not been everyone's main priority. Um, However, I think as things normalize, and I don't think things will normalize in 23, I think we're all going to have to wait till 24 before things get back to normal. But I think it's going to come again. And and I think people, I I hope more people are just going to jump on that and, and see the worst behind it i mean i i have good experiences with that it's it's easier it's you know i don't need to order a year's worth of stuff and i can forecast all i want you know i might get stuck with some stuff i've got some quick releases back there that i've had for 12 years
1: oh soon it will be retro and everyone's going to clamor for that stuff trust me well when when we all go back to nine millimeter axles yeah sure yeah, but for non-mountain biking. <laughs> James, it's called the X-Bike. It's a phenomenon taking off. Trust me. You've got this it. This is going to blow you, your mind. You, you, you you've look it you've up. got it. The next standard.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, we just need to market it. All right? You are demand marketed. You not only have to market it, you also <laughs> have to build so quick release. I might it's put no them in a
2: box, and then when someone wants to buy them, I'm just going to say no. I'm
1: going to frame them. Someone's, can I have one of those? No. A spin off <laughs> boutique shop, like the world, that only carries vintage, like new in stock, new old stock vintage quick releases and such. Oh, I was doing. Break I, boosters, pedals without pins. I, I was doing some market research today
2: and I came across quite a few shops that just do vintage. And I'm like, that is sexy. That is sexy, and I bet I bet yeah. I mean that that's a happy guy. His I mean it looks fantastic,
1: and yeah, uh, vintage is always good. There's some prolific uh, vintage collectors actually in Switzerland. Mm. I follow a couple on uh, Instagram. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a thing. It's they got some cool stuff. Shout out, shout out to our former
0: guest Terence Malone, right? He's uh, he's one of the the key. uh, key people in that with his uh, vintage looking new tires and, uh, and he's very really active in the, in the retro scene as well well I, I love that kind of stuff you, actually that
2: speaks to you, I always say it man's most noble invention is the bicycle and, and that vintage stuff that that keeps that keeps that idea
1: going wholeheartedly agree have you have you picked up any vintage brands or non vintage brands since we last talked? I haven't picked up any new brands since we last talked,
2: to be honest okay. with you. Uh, Was that a
1: st- strategy or,
2: um, or luck? I, I, when Corona hit, I took in quite a lot of new brands um, to expand, to fulfill deliverability gaps. Um, and I think for the moment, um, I'm quite fully stocked. I'm okay. I mean, plus, I, you know, I'm, I'm mountain bike. You know, the upper travel scene is what I do and uh I would I would love to expand and get into a whole load of new stuff. Um but um
1: at the moment I'm not quite ready. So so being in one man operation then, um I mean you're you're personable and I know people get in touch with you often. They're picking up the phone, calling you up and you know, asking for stuff or trying to figure things out with you and um, maybe you can let the listeners know or remind them, let's say, if they listen to your last episode, um, how that has been to your advantage.
2: Well, it's always that's always an advantage I mean, like just just buying something just buying something online or or even going to a store or shall we say a big store should we talk about fast fashion you know um no, just going to a store and 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 let's say if you go into a a large retail outlet, you normally go in there to look for something specific well, I do anyway that's probably not necessarily true for every. One people like to browse. I don't. I know what I want, and I don't know how to get it. And and so you 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 have no human aspect, really. Well, you have someone saying, "Can I help you?" And you're like, "No, go away." I'm 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 looking by myself because it's exciting because I don't know where it is. Well, men do that anyway. Women don't. <laughs> um, sorry, girls, but it's true. Um, um, but I think with me, uh, because I opened a new showroom uh, before last summer, and being able to to have people come in, sit down, um, you know they can have a coffee, they can even have a beer if it's after five o'clock and um no sit down and and what i really noticed is often someone comes to buy something and we spend an hour just talking about biking and at some point have to be oh yeah yeah what did you want oh yeah yeah you wanted this let me get it out and 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 i think that's the that's a huge benefit because you have the human aspect you have two people who are really interested in one certain thing and and you've never met before but yeah you can get together and you can talk about it and and
1: it's a huge advantage. So, when are you going to start like your own, um, what do you call it, like bike club? Because it sounds like you, you know, it's it's what you're what you just described to me. It, it felt like I was just walking into a bike shop, right? And I'm talking to the lead the lead guy there, or the head mechanic, or someone. He's, you know, just chat me up. We're just talking bikes, and it's all this and that. Having a beer, maybe or a coffee. They offer it, and uh, you know, you're a nice guy, and you're engaging in conversation it's almost like we're communi- creating a community at your shop or at your at your storefront so maybe 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 now my question is how does james in the the bike the world showroom different differ than just walking into a bike shop um i have a really comfy sofa
2: <laughs> now how does it differ look people get in touch with me because they normally want to buy something quite expensive And they get a one-on-one consultation. Uh, I'm not open to the public.
0: AKA asking for a
2: discount. (laughs) You should come and ask for a discount sometimes, Pascal. I'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'll get a beer instead. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
2: just give you as many beers as it takes for you to, to forget about the discount. <laughs> <laughs> no, look with me look, I have a showroom. Um I, I have a partner shop with a dealer just down the road actually as well. Um but um I I mean I I mean ninety-five percent of my business is bike shops, not end consumers, but I have people who find me online, get in touch and they wanna come by and have a chat and have a look what I have and and, and, you know, maybe learn a bit more about me or what I do or what I know about the industry is it's why you guys want to talk to me all the time as well, I guess. Um, and and but it's not a lot. It's a showroom. You have to make an appointment if you want to come by and and then we'll have a chat. And, you know, if I see there's someone who wants to buy a full bike and there's one of one of my dealers, you know, is right next to him, I will say, hey, look. Let's have a look, see what we can do. I'm gonna get in touch with the dealer and, and we'll do something together. You go, go by there, pick the bike up and and then you have a guy right next to you who who, who can help you out with service. So um I mean I am I am still a distributor. Um I'm, I'm I don't have a bike shop yet. <laughs> um I'm not kitted out to do that at the moment. I'd need more people and I'd need a workshop, but this is why I'm keen to work with other partners. So so, you know, I can spread the love as it was.
1: Okay, it's quite distinct then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it's is much quite different. Distinct. It's something you don't see actually. I do, too, I do have too a
2: crowd of guys I go biking with here locally who do tend to turn up on Friday afternoon to raid the fridge. But uh, yeah, Pascal, you haven't been by yet.
0: Well, but then again, you know, the location of the showroom is also very strategically placed right at the bottom of a fantastic trail. That is true. Especially in the summertime. So uh, now that, uh, you know, the situation has been clarified in the canton of Zurich, you can happily write that anytime you that want. That is true. That is true. I might just put a sign up in the woods. Exactly.
2: Uh,
1: 100 meters spears of the thirsty? left.
2: Thirsty? Question mark. <laughs>
1: bike this trail bike the world
2: (laughs) that's a good idea i'm gonna put an arrow up it just says thirsty and bike the (laughs) world.ch there you
0: go yeah
2: Yeah, no no look i mean i've i've been expanding my whole life i mean to be honest i've only been doing this full time since 2019 before that was always employed as well um so you know from the last two years i have grown from doing it at home uh, to getting a location which I've managed to completely stuff with bicycle components to i mean at the, at the moment i'm lo- also looking to expand and branch out and that is something I want to do in two thousand twenty three do want to i have I have some nice brands I have some nice interest and um, and it's something I want to do but I also want to include you know some of the guys I work with as well, you know, my customers well, I want to make sure we can all, we can all move together. We can't move, we can't move forward alone. We have to do it together. And that's, that's, that's what I want everyone to take away from this.
0: That's a powerful one. Yeah. I'm with you. Love it. Then let's get back to uh, more bike related questions. And I think we we wanted to use that one for closeout. You actually put that, you actually put that forward yourself. <laughs> Oh, well, the and, the uh, elephant I love, in the room. I love e that. The James, James is taking control. <laughs> the five times, the five times, uh, undefeated skits and giggles champion <laughs> takes the liberty to ask his own closeout yeah, questions. I'm, I'm going to ask a question that, now. That's how he runs the must ask question now. Do you want to? You read it yourself, or do you want me to read no, it? No, I
2: I can read it. I well, I don't need to read it. It's my question. So my question to everyone out there is, why does everyone want e-bikes so badly?
1: Good question. Are we answering this?
0: <laughs> Bryson, I'm sure you have a very valid <laughs> take on this. You go.
1: Um, I mean, you guys already laid it out. It, it, it's the new shit. <laughs> and because this bike company, who is known for selling everything else, is saying, we have a new e-bike, people are like, hey, They have a new product and it's better because it's electrified Mm -hmm. and it's got a touch screen and a button and it weighs more (laughs) and I have to invest more money into it when I use it. So therefore it's a better value to me. And I won't sweat going up a hill. I'll
2: be faster than my friends. No, I'm not going to be an e-bike hater. Um...
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let me get my take out and then you can get on your rant. (laughs) (laughs) all right i think for the record i like e-bikes i think e-bikes have their place i personally don't have one (laughs) um i think a lot of people have figured out over the last two years as i mentioned before that biking is really hard (laughs) whichever discipline (laughs) so if they've already spent whatever 10 grand on a nice looking bike and now they can spend marketing they can spend 15 grand on Uh, a nice looking bike with a motor and, you know, touch screen, this and electronics here, everywhere, extra button, extra button, then why not? Sounds great. I don't sweat, but I see there's, there's practical reasons for it too. Right? So there's like the whole notion of like, well, is it really that bad if someone that otherwise just sits on the couch is now riding an e-bike and actually gets out and does something. I think that's a net positive. It also means for the industry, yes, a lot of e-bikes are sold. A lot of margin is being made on e-bikes, but that is also flowing back into other products. So there's some of the stuff that I use a lot on, on my bikes is actually e-bike stuff. Breaking news, it works perfectly fine for normal bikes too. Just because it says e-bike specific does not mean it does not work with normal bikes. So yeah, generally these things are, are you know pretty, pretty sturdy and are, are pretty durable. Um, so yeah, overall, I don't. Well, I'm not all that negative. And you know, if someone only has an hour to ride, and if the question is, I can get one lap in on my Hausberg without without a motor, but in the same time I can get two laps in with an e-bike, is that really that bad? You will not get as much exercise
2: to doing two laps with an e-bike as you will doing one lap with an analog bike.
0: False. There have been already some studies shown that it's actually the fact that you're getting out for an hour and you're actually working for an hour. The cardio effect or whatever, the cardio work that most people do when they ride an e-bike is pretty similar to what they do in a normal bike. It's just that they ride much further. Really? There's a very good study out of New Zealand, uh, I think two or three years ago, that showed this so i I could be wrong. with that i I leave the stage to you <laughs> for my rant. and uh and you can <laughs> you can fire away
2: i i do no i don't have anything against e bikes either it's it's just it, i asked the question today because i you know recently i've been talking to a lot of shops and they all have a huge surplus of e bikes in stock, which you know my my question came Okay, look, Corona were the golden years, and I think a lot of people have to realize there was a boom, and after the boom, it's not going to continue like that. It's going to go back down to normal, and I might be completely wrong, but I think there was an e-bike boom specifically because there was a lot of people getting into biking for the first time and i saw it with a buddy of mine um you know he tried one of my hardtails and he loved it and then a friend of his like oh, i'm saying, my e-bike try this and he used to bike a lot when he was younger but hadn't done for years and years he got on the e-bike and was sold you know i had no chance and i'm like yeah okay i'm like that's interesting and yeah no he it, it, I, I tend to disagree for me to go up the hill once I think to get the same with the e-bike I'd have to do it about five times to get the same amount of exercise Uh, but it's different it's a lot slower going up on your own is a lot more intense but anyway that to the side Um, I noticed there was just no convincing it, and I'm like is this because he doesn't know you know has he not experienced what it is you know to ride something else he's just had the option between okay maybe a hardtail wasn't the best thing to throw him on to start with um (laughs) why not (laughs) well i think you need to be you know specific person (laughs) to really be into that masochist pretty much (laughs) but um um And and I I don't know, it's hard for me to say is, I mean, I've ridden a few of them. I have never had as much fun on the down with an e-bike as I ever did with, you know, my slackline, my good old trusty, no motor, just aluminium, 160 mil travel. About you know fifteen, sixteen kilos. <laughs> it's I've 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 never managed to to have the same experience on an e-bike. They're just too heavy. Of course, people are making them a lot lighter these days, uh, which you know it might change. But you know, maybe maybe I also have a fear. Are we going to end up all having motors on our bikes?
0: Well, I mean, I guess it, it remains to be seen. Um, I think it's just another another arrow in the quiver. Um, I guess uh, Bryson doesn't <laughs> want to talk too much about the product pipeline, but uh, I think what uh, has recently been coming out out of uh, some of the you know otherwise more traditional bike brands, such as Transition, has just brought out a new uh. um, new version. Trek has brought out the XC, which has raving reviews. A lot of people that I know that ride the XC. They they absolutely love it. The reviews from the transition are is absolutely great. A lot of other bike bike brands have light or very light e-bikes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess things are things are moving, moving in a certain way, and I guess people are just going to decide um, eventually if they want to ride an e-bike or or not. And then you know, there's as the same as there are different shades of mountain bike, right? You know. You can call a mountain bike a mountain bike if it's a cross-country bike with one hundred millimeters of travel and it's a hardtail and it's made for cross-country racing, and you can call a downhill bike a mountain bike, but are they the same bike? Not really. So I think e-bikes eventually are just going to become a different shade of mountain bike. So that's okay. That's okay. Or I mean, I mean, I mean, or as others called it, a shitty motorbike.
2: I mean, I'm <laughs> going to put another question to you too: Is having an e-bike not cheating?
1: Having an e-bike is actually a different sport. It's e-cycling. It's not cycling. It's, it's really just... It should it's be just, just e- thought of differently. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can have all-terrain, mountain-type e-bikes that can be ridden on the same trails. That's totally fine. But it's, it's, you're really doing a different thing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole different aspect of riding an e-bike. You know, You're thinking about your motor. You're thinking about the torque. You're thinking about, I mean, you're trying not to do, you're trying to experience the just the joy of cycling. However, there is a technical aspect happening. And I think, okay, for some people, they're just glad that they don't have to put in so much effort. And that's great. But you know what? Sometimes they still have to push the button that gives them eco mode, sport mode, and turbo assist and all these things. They still have to push the other buttons that tell them, uh, t- tell the bicycle to shift. So there's still a mechanical aspect. And in that respect, there's still an electro or electric aspect where you have to be a little bit cognitive of you using the electric part of an e-bike, right? So that's how I consider e-bikes different than a normal bicycle experience. Now saying that, e-biking, especially e-mountain biking, is definitely not going away the idea of having a e-mountain bike and going into the forest and actually maybe getting a more ex- of an exploratory or more of a sense of an adventure or going further. This is all like coming down to the, your human nature. So we're all trying to achieve more. Right. And, and the e-bike is just giving us that advantage. Um, I, l- I like riding e-bikes, sure. It's fun. I mean, I've ridden all different kinds, from like the fat, fat bike e-bikes with the hub motors to, yeah, just like the, the the brand new class of like those lightweight ones with like the tiny engine and the tiny battery, and they feel like, almost like normal mountain bikes. Um, and actually, f- funny we brought up this topic. I didn't expect it at all, but I was listening to the <laughs> Rob Roskopp uh, pink bike episode, I'd put it on my playlist a long time ago. I never got around to it, but he's actually, you know, he's a big fan, and uh, he's he he was uh, re- he's riding the Uno e bike, and he's he's he thinks it's fantastic. Mm. And uh, I mean, he's an OG mountain bike guy, right? Like co-founder of Santa Cruz, one of them original gangster. Yeah, totally, a- and skateboard culture, right? So, mm. I mean, there's diversification going on. You don't get motors on skateboards, so. though.
0: There you go. But I have a great one to close it out for the day. Why don't you take those quick release things, put a made-for-e-bike sticker on it and sell them as e-bike-ready quick releases? I think with that, we close it out for the night.
2: I'm just going to have to say James, one thing. Uh, no one's going to put a nine millimeter axle in the back of their e-bike. I hope. Okay, you, you cut
0: that part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. All right, <laughs> but if they if they want to find one of those e-bike specific quick releases, where can they find you? <laughs> www.biketheworld.ch Sweet. <laughs> we'll put those in the show notes as always. Um, let us know what you think about e-bikes and uh, why people love to hate them so much. With that, we close it out for the night. Bryson, hope you have a good night. James, great to talk to you as always. And with that, we close it out. Bis später. Tschüss mit Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening. We really
1: hope you enjoyed this episode. Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast. And it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers!